This episode of ArcSpeak is brought to you by ArcCat. We'd like to let you know something new that ArcCat.com has launched. It's called Charette. This is another free service from ArcCat for you to take advantage of. Create a project, assign tasks, share and collaborate with colleagues and clients in real time. Even simply promote your firm and services for the world to see. I mean, at the minimum, this is free advertising for your firm. You can simply put up photos, create a portfolio for people to browse. We've been helping RCAT beta test this for a few months, and gotta say, it's pretty slick. Again, just another free service from RCAT, so you have nothing to lose. Go to RCAT.com and click on the Project Login link at the top of the homepage. And one last thing, AIA is right around the corner, so... Please go check out RCAT. Just look for their giant glowing red A. Thanks. Next. No. Come on. We are also brought to you by HMC Architects. Learn more about them at hmcarchitects.com. Let's give them a listen. Sustainable architecture is about minimizing the negative environmental impact of buildings. Here at HMC Architects, we approach every design from that point of view. But what if we can do more? What if we envision a regenerative environment? Hi, this is Ira Bakhtiwali. And I'm Eric Carbonier. We're architects that lead sustainable and regenerative architecture initiatives at HMC Architects. Regenerative architecture challenges us to design buildings that are not just sustainable, but can actually restore, renew, or revitalize nature. Imagine an elementary school that produces energy and powers its own neighborhood. A hospital with a stormwater management system that filters non-potable water for irrigation throughout the community. A city library with an edible landscape that feeds its residents. Today, our mission is to push beyond green building certifications, to question the methods we're using. At HMC, we're celebrating our sustainable project success and learning from them. We're exploring net positive strategies, and together we're preparing for today and tomorrow. April 22nd is Earth Day, and we have a full lineup of events planned at HMC. Inspirational speakers, a high-performance product fair, electric car test drives, garden plantings, and much more. At HMC Architects, we believe a successful design is one that is central to health and prosperity, ultimately enriching people's lives and the communities we serve. To become part of our story, visit hmcarchitects.com. Welcome to Archispeak, the podcast that talks about what it's like to work in the profession of architecture. Welcome to episode 113 of the Archispeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. Hey, Cormac, this week you went to a, a talk, right, with Aaron Draplin. Can you tell everybody who Aaron is and, and what it was about, because I've been watching YouTube videos ever since you said you were going. And I, I just, now my playlist is like full of Draplin videos. Yeah. It's uh easy to kind of get sucked down that rabbit hole. Cause he's a pretty compelling character. So yeah. Um, university of Baltimore on Monday had one of the Aaron Draplin, who is the CEO of Draplin design company and also the co-founder sort of founder slash co-founder of Field Notes, which my sketches are posted in a Field Notes sketchbook. Kind of just fell in love with them because they were great little pocket notebooks. And he's it's a cool of, story too. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's a, gr- and we're going to, I'm going to put a link to how he started Field Notes because it's on the Field Note website. He's got these great videos and uh, that particular story, which he does tell at, in this lecture, he kind of tells that story, but it's a good story for everybody to listen to. You know, it's just kind of fun because every design professional will really appreciate kind of like the almost the neurosis of of how this idea started. But anyway, yeah. so um so uh he was Aaron was asked some time ago to write a book. Didn't think he was going to have anything to write a book about and so what this was was more or less kind of like the the journey to create the book sort of a hint of what's in the book thing that I found so compelling about him particularly is he's a storyteller. That's his gift is he's able, 
basically tell stories and make them fun and they're about design and, and everything that we kind of do in our podcast to tell stories about what it's like to be doing what we do mm-hmm. is more or less what he does. Now he drops a few more F-bombs and, you know, I think there was a, I overheard some kids in the graphic design program at University of Baltimore talk about there's, and I don't, I, I didn't look it up, but apparently there's some existence out there of uh, Draplin Bingo. And, <laughs> so you could play along during his talk. Yeah. So you can you can play along, and what you do is is this any, a drinking game too? It, well, I'm <laughs> I'm sure it could be if it if he were giving talks in a non academic environment. <laughs> but um, what was cool is that you know we we came in. I went there with our graphic design department from the company and, uh, you know, I, I texted them and I'm like, Hey, you know, uh, Aaron Draplin's going to be in town. You guys interested in going? They're like, Oh yeah, we bought our tickets like, you know, a month ago. I'm like, of course you knew about it. It was like, why well, I'm at the end cause I'm not in that world. Um, but it was, it was kind of fun to go with them, see their view and their take on another fellow graphic designer what do you call a uh, star, uh, you know, kind of like a star architect graphic designer? Hmm. <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, because yeah. that, that's that's kind of who he is. And anyway, so, you know, he, he went and he told all these stories about kind of growing up in Michigan and after leaving high school and then going, kind of trying to figure out his way in the world and going into college and, and all of this other stuff. And kind of also a very interesting story of like you know how he had to basically fight you know something that's very very inherent to a lot of midwesterners or most midwesterners that i know they're not out really out there to get notoriety recognition stuff they're kind of blue collar hard hat lunch pail kind of people that get out there they want to do their job they want to do it the best that they can don't really need the accolades for it and then go home and do their thing and that's how a lot of his career is kind of gone is he wanted to put the work in. He wanted to show that he could do it. But then, you know, he was getting somewhat passed over or kind of just people kind of look at him, this big husky guy, big, huge, bushy beard and bushy hair. Um, I I went up and I talked to him and uh, he's got these big, massive meat hooks of hands. <laughs> and, and it was just like, yeah, yeah, this guy is this guy puts his work in. Yeah. And um, it's interesting to think of it. You see him and you think that guy sits behind a computer, right? <laughs> well, that's, that, you know what? And that's the funny thing is he, he does, he says that too, is he's just like, you know, people, when they see me, they don't think that I'm capable of doing he's all an artist, of these, yeah. you know, I'm an artist. I'm, you know, I'm a creator. I'm a designer. This is what I do. This is my passion. This is my love. And you know, a lot of times people just kind of like look at him and give him the side eye of like, eh, no, you're not. Yeah, they judge know. the book by the cover. Yeah, I think exactly. what's it, what's interesting about Aaron is that he is the working man's graphic designer. Like he's the oh, yeah. the model for that, right? It's like what you're saying. It's the, it's the Midwestern kind of mentality that he has, which is do the work. And and I love that about him. And I the thing that there's there's lots of famous graphic designers out there that are that are the more iconic you know there's massimo vignelli and there's michael beirut and there's the like the ones that we see inside of uh, the netflix abstract series right um aaron is much more rough around the edges but he's so authentic and i think like i'd like to think of our podcast being the working man's architecture podcast like we we represent what it's like to actually work in the industry and I feel like he does the same thing for graphic design. And that's, he, he also has like this whole skate and snowboard background and now he's up right, in Portland. Right. And yeah. I definitely identify with that side of kind of his upbringing as well and, mm-hmm. and just his sensibilities. But he, uh, he definitely strikes a chord that I feel like it's so authentic and that's what I love about it. All right. So I got to tell you the, the joke or little story or whatever that I told him. So listen to a podcast um with an interview with him on it and he told this one little story about his dad you know his dad just recently passed and so i can kind of associate with you know some of these stories and connections that he has and he's like 
always brings his father into you know his his talks and stuff and you can see the emotion and connection love that stuff so he's talking about his father as he was growing up and he was telling this story about you know him working doing his homework one day his dad walks up and he says what you working on your gazintas he's like what he goes you know two goes into four two times and um and i was just like <laughs> i was just like oh that's such a stupidly funny joke i got to go and use that on my kids and so i'm I, you know for made the you know cardinal mistake on a joke don't text it nobody understands like inflections and and emphasis and stuff like that when you're writing something out they always think of a joke as something completely different than you know that's why we always have to follow things up with lol or haha you yeah, know just so you know a little hint just just a joke, <laughs> nudge, nudge. So I, I I tried it with my kids, and they were just like, yeah, not funny, Dad. And, <laughs> and so here it is. I'm getting ready to go to this thing. So just, just want to let you guys know, hey, I'm going to be late tonight. I'm going to go to this lecture and um, listen to this guy talk about graphic design. And so my son's like, oh, you're going to go to the Gazinta Notebook guy? And kind of threw me off. I'm like, what? He goes, you know, your ideas goes into his notebooks. Like, brilliant. I was like, dude, you're awesome. <laughs> it was just he like totally just like a random pull from something that I told him months ago. That's and, awesome. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, dude, that's great. And so I, I told him that. And I, I don't know if I like choked him up a little bit, but he was just like, that's my dad, man. That's my dad right there. And uh, I was just like, that's awesome. And made the connection. Yeah, so it was, you know, that was good. And then shook his hand, and he's got these big, massive meat hooks. <laughs> but anyway, so it was, it was such fantastic. And, and that's the thing that I love about, you know, people with passion about what they do is that they bring so much emotion to it. I mean, the guy kept choking up every time he was, like, talking about different things that he's done because he's so proud of what he's done. He's almost in disbelief that he gets a chance to do all of this stuff. Yeah, And I think we're like that too. You know, we're so in disbelief sometimes when at a grand opening, sure, they may forget to thank the architect, but we walk around and we're like, I did this. This yeah. is, this is part of me now. Yeah, I think that there's definitely that kind of connection to the work and it, it's one of those things where there's a lot of meaning in it. And even though it might not feel like that day to day, there's these milestones where Either the the steel starts going up, or you walk into the building for the first time, or it's that groundbreaking ceremony, you know, the ceremony of the uninvolved, where you just you have that emotional connection to the work that's more than just the the lines on the page. At that point, it's much it's much bigger than that. Totally forgot about that that saying that you <laughs> the ceremony of the uninvolved. I love it. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. so true. <laughs> that's it, so good. It's, absolutely accurate to the thing it's like all of this back padding of like yeah we did a great job i'm like oh, what'd you do again right <laughs> well so you know Cormac, i mean you, go ahead did did you notice he was born in detroit oh yeah yeah no i it, to, we oh, okay. we totally talked about the whole michigan connection I, when i walked up to him the first thing i said is hey from one uh one michigander to another you totally get the passion that you have and and just this whole mentality that you've you've brought to your profession every day, and you know, we we kind of chatted real quick. I mean, it wasn't like a long chat or anything. It was, I mean, he's on a book tour. Oh, let me tell you, this is a cool thing. This is just, again, this is is it's got to be totally just him kind of a thing. I mean, there are people out there, but it's just this kind of like grassroots kind of book tour thing. So. Here they are. He's sold out. He's gone through four printings of his book. Just recently came out. And, he, you know, he, like, battled for, like, price tag because they wanted, apparently, to put it at, like, a hundred and some odd bucks. And he's like, no, I want people to be able to afford it. I want students to be able to afford it. I want everybody to be able to afford this thing. So it's priced at, like, thirty nine ninety nine. He's got this whole thing. If you stumble on some of his uh, YouTube talks, he always talks about he, his pet peeve of, you know, things that don't have decimal points, like, yeah. you know, prices, yeah. prices. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's hilarious, but he's got that whole 50, 50 ways to ruin your career. Yes. Video. Which I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That's a really good one. Cause he hits on all kinds of stuff in there that that's just really fun. And it, and it's, 
And he's talking specifically about graphic design, but it's it works perfectly for architecture as well. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. so many crossovers. And that's why I thought, you know, that's why I really like going to see artists and graphic designers and give lectures because there are so many parallels. And, and you don't so have to listen to architects, so yeah, even you better. you don't have to listen to architects. <laughs> and so the light, it comes through the windows and it shines on the floors and the floors make it, oh, it's so heavenly spaces. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Here's yeah, the title. Sure. Here's the title. <laughs> Heavenly Spaces. <laughs> but um, Think highly of your own work, do you? Yeah, exactly. So, book tour. You know, you think that his publisher is going to, like, you know, uh, fly him from place to place and all this other stuff. No. What does he do? He goes out and buys a Chevy van, panel van, whatever type thing, <laughs> and he paints it orange, his kind of Draplin design yeah. company, Orange. Puts on the side, Draplin Design Company, and then uh, I don't. I think that's it. It's just real simple. It's like a real simple packaging, UPS type almost truck. Filled the entire back filled full of books because I think merch. they had like a merch. <laughs> yeah, and then he just drives from place to place, going to all these book tours. That's awesome. It's so cool. I was like, and what other way to like be able to basically bring your passion kind of to the streets, which is more or less, you know, kind of his mantra for how he's been living his career. I mean, well, and he gets to do more of like his research on the way, right? Where he's, right. he's always doing these, I'm sure he's like just digging through antique stores and, and, uh, yard sales and like looking for all these old notebooks. Like he has an incredible collection of scans of old farmer notebooks on Flickr. It's amazing. The graphic design that has been around for so long, but nobody knew it. I mean, yeah. the, these are the, it, he talks about that also in his in his fifty ways to ruin your career. Like I said, we're going to put the sh- the link to the one video about his collection of these little small notebooks. And when you're watching him, when he's talking about scanning, and he's just excited about everything that he's seeing when he's scanning. He's like, oh, I got to do this, and you know, and he's just like excited just about the process of scanning all of these cool little books yeah. and stuff and you I mean, can see that come across in the field notes notebooks too all the little design cues and the rounded corners and the way that it's branded and and the the copywriting that's in it uh, yeah. it's all you know we, we use field notes around here too my wife uses them all the time she's always got one in her back pocket and it they're just so cool there's something about them that is uh, again it's just really authentic well, when we get into the meat of what we were talking about in the show notes as well, but the little notebook that I sent you guys of, of my notes of, you know, kind of yeah, that, what we're talking about. I, I've never had one of those uh, oh, spiral it's one ones. Of, it's one of my favorite. It's a, one reporter? of the newer ones. It's, it's his reporter notebook. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Um, and it's so cool. And <laughs> you should see the look on people's faces when they're like, <laughs> everybody. So <laughs> I'm sitting that? around a table. And everybody's pulling out their laptops, they're pulling out their iPads, you know, they're pulling out their Surface notebooks and all this other stuff. And they're all sitting on there and getting ready to type and all this other stuff. And I pull out an old flip open reporter's notebook with a fountain pen. And they're like, what the hell century are you from? (laughs) But I mean, that's it. That's just me. You know, it's just the pen that I have, which is, you know, my Lamy Safari uh, fountain pen. Yeah. And, you know, standard standard issued for, you know, any doofus architect. And yep. so so kind of that was really the primer for what I was thinking about doing for the show today is we, you know, we have this passion for what we do. And that's why we do this podcast. And, you know, when we started this podcast, we threw up a, a Twitter page and a Facebook page and started our web page and our web page has kind of evolved a little bit as we've grown over the four years of our show, five years now that we've been working on it. And, but our Twitter profile has sort of stayed there and though it sort of made sense at the time. It was a, it was set it and forget it, Cormac. That was it. It was, it was a set it and forget <laughs> it. And it made sense at the time because we, what we were trying to do is establish ourselves as something different in a architecture podcast type conversation. And so we were just saying, you know, we're not kind of like tongue in cheek joking about the thing. And, you know, it was, it was great and all, but I think that we've sort of evolved past that. And a lot of what we do is we tell other people 
about the show when we're out there shaking hands with people and telling people what the show's all about. Tell me about Arca Speak. And so I was thinking it might be time for us to kind of refresh our Twitter profile and come up with something a little bit different and maybe do a 30 second or less kind of elevator pitch of new ideas for our Twitter profile. Currently right now it is, and I'm going to read it out to you guys, large made up words that architects and designers use to make themselves sound smarter than you. So good. (laughs) That was good. Who wrote that? Is that it's, you, Evan? It, it, I didn't make it up. No, it, it's just a it's just a copy paste from uh I think it's from Urban Dictionary actually. Yeah, about what oh, about okay. what Arca spe- about what Arca speak is. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it is a because it is a term. You know, oh, it's Arca speak or Arca babble or you know whatever. Yeah, right. And and that's great. But now we're grown up. Now we're a thing. Yeah, now we're a thing. And with air quotes, we're growing up. And and. Everybody's always asking us, you know, hey, what's your podcast about or something like that? And so, you know, what is that Twitter 140 characters or less kind of explanation about the show? And I thought it would be great to kind of have a behind the scenes work session of us. Let's charrette this. Charrette it, pitch it, throw it it. out there, figure out what we, uh, how we want to change it. Maybe what we'll do is we'll leave this there, let people listen to the show, maybe vote on what they like. Or pitch some, you know, pitch, pitch it how to us. they explain. Unex- uh, how do you explain the unexplainable? Come on. Well, that's true. Define um, it. Define the undefinable. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Speaking of. One of the things that we say, and I'm going to go ahead and just you can start uh, us off. Start us off here. Uh, the first one is like the, the professional one. And we say it all the time, especially in our intros of past, that it's a casual conversation about all things architecture. Yeah, sets nice. an expectation, right? You know, sure. You know, it's just <laughs> water cooler talk, about, talk. Yeah, we're going to talk about you know architecture. We're going to talk about this and that. So people always ask, you know, what's your show about? How do you pitch the show to them? So Neil, <laughs> <laughs> put, put Neil on the spot. <laughs> put Neil on the spot, or anybody. Let's hear Give yours, me. Neil. I don't have one. You don't have to have it written down. You, how do you explain the show I, to people? Hmm. Boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> You're like, I don't. I, here's the link. Here's the link. Yeah. Here's my card. I'm thinking we might need some marketing help on this. If <laughs> if none of us can contact Aaron. <laughs> right. Right. Get the get the designer um, in here. I I think what you just said, Evan, is probably probably the first thing I'll say to people. Here's the link. That it, it's. No, no, it's a casual conversation oh, that's about a, all Corbin things architecture. Said that. I, I didn't say that. I did oh, write I'm that. Sorry. I did write that. I think that's yeah. actually on our webpage, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Well, it's, yeah, that, it's on our that's webpage. The, and that's the tagline on our website. I think that one of the challenges in, because most of the time when I tell people that we do this, it's oftentimes not architects that I'm speaking to, right? They're, they're people I know or just uh, friends, parents of... Um, my friend's kids or something and I'll say, Oh, I'm editing this show or something like this, or we're recording. And they're like, what you're recording? What, what, what do you mean? What are you recording? And, and then I'll have to tell them why well, we do this show. And do you do an eye roll about you're like eye roll. And then you're like, oh, no, 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 not podcast. at all. <laughs> no. I mean, what was the data? How do you I, not know I, about did, this? Did I see, I don't know where I saw this, but something about like only maybe 30% of the people even know or listen to a podcast. Or oh, I think that's or, in that uh, Arc Daily, that Arc Daily uh, post that, that didn't include any of the, the podcasts that we, <laughs> there was maybe right, one right. on the list that we, that I actually listened to. Oh, right. I think. There were a couple of them on that list that I listened to. But anyway, not a lot of people know about podcasts or, I mean, there's, there's certainly a lot, but not, it's not like radio or something. And so it's oftentimes one of my struggles when I talk about what we do about this show is that to explain to people that we don't, we talk about architecture, but in a very broad sense, sometimes, I mean, we don't typically get into, well, I mean, sometimes we get into some nuts and bolts things of the day to day, or it's not like we're talking about details or anything, but 
I try and explain to people that it's a broader based show that might appeal to them, I guess is what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. And they should maybe give it a listen if they're interested and that it's not just for architects, only for architects. And you wouldn't get something out of the show if you listened to it, if you weren't an architect. And I think that's always been one of my struggles in explaining the show to, to someone because of its the three of us are architects, and we talk. And the show is called Archispeak. So okay, I've got the it seems I've got very the architecture focused. The tagline is, "You just wouldn't understand." <laughs> <laughs> Archispeak, you just so, wouldn't understand. So a lot of times, the way that I enter into a conversation about Archispeak is essentially doing water cooler speak, and we're sitting there chatting about just either uh, something specific about what we're doing or just kind of like general design stuff or, or just whatever. And I kind of lead into it and say, well, you know, this is exactly why I do the podcast in the way we do it to try to capture this. We all have this passion. We all, we all feed off of each other as we're talking about architecture. And it's not this kind of, and this drawing goes here and you should put this detail there and make sure you have your enlarged plan there. You know, Nothing so boring and technical, or sometimes even a little over highbrow and over our head when it comes to like frou frou shishi type architecture and architects and stuff. Wait, wait, wait! How do you spell that? Yes. <laughs> frou frou, I believe. And frou frou shishi. What? I never want to put that into the show notes somehow. F r o u f r o u and shishi, I believe, is just chi chi. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to look this up. Yeah, we're gonna have to look it up. So, hit, hit. Um, and somebody will do it for us. I'm sure. Well, Fru Fru the band. Okay, not that. <laughs> but anyway, so I try to explain to them that you know this is this is what it's all about. We try to kind of typify what happens in an architecture office every single day when we're just sitting there. A conversation sparks up when we're sitting there. Everybody's staring at a plotter or you know, waiting for some prints to come out or they're standing around the coffee machine because they go and get a cup of coffee. They push the little thing down and it's empty. So they've got to make new one. So rather than make the coffee, then go back to their desk and come back and get it. They're going to stand right there first in line to get that new fresh cup of coffee. And so they have a conversation about how's your day? What's, what are you doing? What are we going after? What are you guys doing? Those kind of things. And so that's how I kind of explain it. Here is one. Let me throw out another one that I kind of explained to people. I was like, it's a battlefield view of architecture, of the architecture profession as seen from the trenches. And that's kind of, you know. That's, that comes from it, your personal history and, and, right and there, that, buddy. And that's, <laughs> and that's totally the way that I explain it. Kind of just like the in the trenches view of architecture about what we experience every day, about what we talk about every day, about what we do every day. You know, those kind of so, things. And that's how so I kind Karmic, of So, Cormac, do you take out your, your shovel thing? What was that thing called? The, the, the little foldable tool. shovel? The e-tool. Yeah. The, the e-tool? That's right. Do you take out your tool. e-tool when you describe <laughs> it like your that? your back pocket. How did, you, how did you not know yes. that? You bought one, didn't you? <laughs> you bought Off of my recommendation. You, don't you have it? <laughs> so so just a correction here, in-show correction. Shi-shi-foo-foo. It's S-H-I-S-H-I-foo-foo, not frou-frou. I'm no, just, that's right. This is Urban Dictionary. Yeah. Adjective will, used to describe a, a person who is overly bourgeois and fancy for their own good. There Bam. you go. But wow. <laughs> and then the learn something new by I'm not gonna, to speak. I'm not gonna say it on the show, but there is a really funny you know, Urban Dictionary always puts uh like a real world uh, how you would use it in a sense sentence. <laughs> you should read this. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, I'm not going to do it. You're going to have to click the link. <laughs> Just look it up. Click, yeah, click the click the link to Shishi Fufu and read the uh, the how to how it's used uh, sentence. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> A little teaser. I, I, I like the I like the the, the battlefield in the trenches. Uh, it, it might turn some people off, you know, if they're not into that uh, violence like you are. But we'll have to change the what? background of our web page to a camo. <laughs> How am I into violence? <laughs> I got to be in the trenches. You only to talk to this? about shooting down drones and during the episodes, Cormac. Yeah, so. that's why I said this is this is very <laughs> is personal for you. That was training. <laughs> it was. That was required. Uh, you know, just like dealing with contractors. 
One of my favorite Twitter bios that I've ever read, and I can't remember where I saw it, but so I can't take credit for this is what I'm saying is uh, it was just it was actually just a person. It wasn't a brand. It wasn't anything. It wasn't wasn't a podcast. It was just five stars, a delight, Rolling Stone, <laughs> like like they got rated. And I love that one. I love it because it's not serious. Uh, I, a lot of times I, I flip flop on Twitter bios between descriptive and just interesting or funny because it we don't have to take ourselves so seriously all the time and we don't right. have to spell everything out for everybody either uh so i i kind of flip-flop between those because i see twitter bios it's like oh i, I know exactly who that is now because they've said it for me and then there's other times when i've i put like my favorite willy wonka quote in there and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't say anything about me but it, it's more about what i'm about uh and right. so i i think that there's a lot of leeway here in these but i always love that five stars a delight <laughs> what was the one that you said first i said america's finest architectural variety show since 2012 yeah i like that one. that was mine uh i think it's kind of cool to say how long you've been around or how long you've been doing something it's not like we just popped up and just started doing this i mean this is episode 113 so we've been we've been at this for a while and so at some point you get to start saying i've been doing this since you know and and it gives you a little bit more credibility. So I, I, well, I like saying kind of our inception cred. Yeah. Our, that's our inception point. So makes it sound a little more authoritative. Yeah. That was the inception point. Yeah. And, well, and we so are, then, and we are a variety show. <laughs> like we don't talk uh, yeah. as this episode illustrates, we don't talk strictly about architecture all the time. It's, it, it can be very tangential. So, uh, it, it is, a it, it is always kind of comes back to architecture, but it is also, you know, we, we, we talk about issues. We talk about the flavor of the day. We talk about whatever it is. It is really water cooler talk. It really is just what, and we've been criticized for that before. I mean, I remember distinctly somebody saying, I would never pay for you guys to stand around the water cooler for 90 minutes. And it's like, well, it's a good thing you don't have to, right? We, we do this on our own. <laughs> uh, so, although, although in contrast with our, most recent friend of the show, Steve Hall, said he he loves to listen to us and would listen even if we were talking about door schedules or door hardware. Door right? hardware, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So here we are talking about what's your Twitter bio. So that was my my, my that was my first one. America's finest architectural variety show, and I you know I get to say that because we like are, it. yeah, I like it, and we are the finest. That's right. Yeah. So so, uh, so what's another one? Well, I was thinking, you know. A couple of guys and a grump yelling at the clouds of architecture. <laughs> okay, who's going to be the grump? <laughs> oh, but I mean, I'm sure the I'm sure. Listen the to find out the listeners. The listeners get to decide the, on an episode oh, by go. episode Jeez. basis. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> mm-hmm. a, <laughs> don't get defensive, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I it. was I was insinuating nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. So what do you Next. got? Come Next. On, you know, we've, we've, been, we've been riffing how to, you know, give us that, that real quick pitch. Come I got on. nothing. Oh, you got 140 Put characters, man. Spot. You got 140. Gonna, you got nothing. Give me a break. Uh, come on. I haven't man. thought about this. Steal one of Cormac. You guys sprung this on me. Steal, I didn't, steal I mean, one of Cormac. prepare for this one. <laughs> steal one of Cormac. I have to look at what he had sent. I don't know. Well... I, I like I like your last one because it fits into your it fits into your uh, what you said earlier. It fits yeah. into your your the thing your dad said. So the the should have beens could have beens and would have beens. It says my life in architecture, but it could be our life in architecture. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> half glass how, full, huh? Half glass yeah. empty or half glass full? Which one? So. I mean, Neil, think about this. What we're what we're trying to do is, without being there to have the person see and feel the passion that we have for what we're doing on the show. I mean, because when we're in front of somebody, always able to kind of riff off of whatever the conversation was to explain the show and really kind of let people more or less see, like, my animation where my hands are, like, moving around and all that other stuff of, you know, why I really do this. So here we are just kind of like selling it as a business card, throwing it out there. It's like, why do people want to listen to us? And I, I love the variety show one. I, I think that, um, right now some, I'm, I'm, I might fit the grump thing if you can't come up with one. <laughs> <laughs> I just did actually. I, he's I, he's I riffing it. He's riffing. Let's do it. 
No, I just I just posted one. Oh, read I just it, it. Uh, the Sein, the Seinfeld uh, thing came up in my head. Uh, the show about nothing. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Arca speak the show about nothing. Right. Yeah. See, I always go. Then I always go kind of like more poetic with say the show about nothing and everything. Yep. I kind of I kind of think that it. it has to set some kind of an expectation. That's why I originally I think if you go to the Arcaspeak page, let me look here. I'm going to look on our. On oh, our page. if it's setting as an expectation, then clearly it's got to be the show where Neil says some shit. <laughs> so that's why I wrote it's a casual conversation. Arcaspeak is a casual conversation about all things architecture, which you you already mentioned that. But I the reason I said specifically casual conversation was like don't expect a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that we come up with things on the fly and and we do just riff off of each other as we go and it's not this is not 99% invisible everybody knows that and so yeah. i feel like like it was that's a re, a little bit behind oh, the scenes of why this i wrote that this is not this is not 99% <laughs> invisible yeah. and everybody knows that everybody, everybody knows. knows that so listen since, anyway since since 2012 that's right um, so Neil, let me let me revise what I said. It's it's the show where Neil says some some smart shit. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's that's rare. I like though. that extra yeah. word. Yeah, yeah, because you know we're all through, we're all expounding this. I sorry, I can't even. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't <laughs> even create Arcus speak. <laughs> well, it's you have to actually have it written, and you have to read it from a card if, if it's going to be real Arca speak because you cannot just come up with that oh stuff God. on the fly where three fools talk about nothing yeah wow. and everything and I everything always add that in on, I like that one of those that, I like yeah. that little sound bite afterward wow <laughs> actually it's just like Arca speak it's a show about well well <laughs> <laughs> uh, a show about dot 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 Maybe. Yeah, exactly. this is very much. This is you know people have, often ask about an after dark type episode, and this is this it. is very. This is sort of it, although we're keeping it clean. Um, we've left a few but, of the word enhancers off. Yeah, well, we've let, word enhancers. I like that. That <laughs> that's good. Um, this is very much like what we do for the first hour before we actually start recording. Well, what else is going on? I think we've exhausted this. I, I we, <laughs> clearly we have no good ideas, so we need our listeners' we, help. We need our listeners' help, absolutely. Yeah, send us your suggestions or vote on any of the various ones. Cormac, have we gone through all of the ones you sent? A long list, but were there others? It wasn't that long. Well, I, maybe because your handwriting was large. I don't know. It's a big picture. It looked like Arca there speak. were several more. Here you go. Arca speak a podcast about. About trying to figure out what the hell I wrote. Um, <laughs> clearly, you know, if you Either would have typed can, it out in your uh, own handwriting on your laptop at the note yeah. at the at the meeting, you would be able to Whatever. read it on your Surface Book. And you know, the funny thing is, I write longhand. I, I should learn shorthand, and I think it's that boat sailed. But whatever. A podcast uh, about where we talk about our pride and passion for the profession of architecture. Pride, um, passion of the that's. That's so, too much shishi-fufu. Like alliteration there, yeah. <laughs> Pride, passion for the profession. A podcast. There's a lot of... Extra, extra read all about this, Are you channeling this? your best William Shatner there in that one? <laughs> this tagline brought to you hey, by the letter uh, P. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Jeez. All right, what else did you have on that list? Um, that was, that's it. We talked about the other it, ones. You know, a podcast where was that we discuss it? Okay. all things architecture. Um, a podcast where Neil's going to say something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a podcast where uh, Evan does all the talking and we nod our heads. Oh, ouch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't mean. <laughs> okay. It was meant to be State, like a statement of fact. Evan says something smart, and we're just like, "Yo, that, what would he say?" <laughs> well, this show is coming out right before Earth Day. Well, not right before, a few days before, and uh, so you guys have any uh, sustainability 
Like, like I guess that's just a, a, que- a question that I have now going. I don't know what you guys our, – our firm is committed to the Architecture 2030 Challenge. Have yeah, you guys? so is ours. Yes, okay. absolutely. Neil, do you know if yours has? That's a good question. No, I don't. I, I don't remember seeing anything specifically discussed about about that specific item. I guess we should probably um, maybe. put there a, might be something. I think we should what probably are, put a, a link to that in the show notes. One of the, one of the things that okay. our firm does every time you know somebody takes and passes the the lead exam, whether it's the lead uh, GA or AP, send out kind of a congratulatory thing, and we also talk about like what our what we've been doing. Um, over you know the course of whatever time um, in sustainability and in best practices and you know, we talk about the like the number of lead certified buildings or certified being from certified all the way through platinum you know we talk about those different things we also talk about like the percentage of people that are actually certified accredited people within our firm I think I believe we're at seventy three percent of all employees, you know, it's a couple hundred people. So that's, that's actually a, a really good track record for pushing sustainability, pushing the testing and accrediting. Because it may, you know, it shows our clients and everybody else that we're committed to using best practices to design the best, most sustainable, healthiest environment for our clients. And I really, I, I appreciate the commitment that our firm has for it. Yeah, I think that it just so people kind of understand what the 2030 challenge is if they haven't heard about it. It's it's that all major renovations and new buildings and developments will be carbon neutral starting in 2030. Uh, so obviously we're trying to do that now to to get to that point so that because a lot of it is convincing your clients that it's important or that they should be doing it or maybe you don't have to convince all of them, right? There there's some that want to do it on their own. But it is, and in California, I, I don't know how it is on the East Coast, Cormac, but it's it's just becoming part of the code now, even where yeah. hitting yeah. the the energy code is is really um, getting know. difficult. It's difficult. It's it's hard to do. Now, there's a lot of things that you can do when you're designing a building that I think is just normal stuff that that really goes a long way. But then there's there's a lot of new stuff that we're having to deal with to get buildings. And, and recently I was part of a team that won a, a net zero energy building that it's a design for the County of San Diego health and human services agency. And this will be the first one on my portfolio that is going to be zero net energy. So it's a different way to design. And I don't like to think of sustainability as bolt on architecture. I don't like to think of it as, as decoration or anything like that. I mean, it, it really is integral to the design. And, and what I guess what I mean by when it's, it's a different approach is that it's amazing how reliant we have to be on the modeling to basically tell us where we're going to hit on the scale of performance for this building. And we have to make design decisions early in the process to make sure that it actually hits those when the building is done. Otherwise, I mean, if, if your client is expecting a zero net energy building and you deliver them something that you think is, right, because we really don't know for sure, right? It's all done right. through modeling. And then it's not, like, that's going to be a huge lawsuit, <laughs> right? So it's it's one of those things where it's you really have to be do everything you can to make sure that this building is going to perform better than they expect uh, so that there's so many variables right that that you have to be able to to show that it's actually going to happen so you have to show that with data and then that you use that data to help you design the building so it's this really interesting process that we we go through with with wind models and heat models and uh you know daylighting models and we HVAC models, and we're just doing so many things at once during that design process that all have to work together, uh, that it can't just be bolt on. Right. So. And, you know, it's always the challenge of when do you start doing that and, and trying to explain to everybody that, that it needs to happen almost at its earliest inception. One of these things that we're doing for the ACE mentoring program is the building that we're working on. It's a library in downtown Baltimore for our particular uh, building that we're kind of showing them how each of the disciplines work with each other. 
And one of the things that we talk about is, you know, site placement, solar angles, and things like that, and try to explain to them at just the basic level of how simple design issues and design decisions affect the energy consumption of your building or the solar orientation and the natural daylighting and all these other things. We just keep trying to, like, slowly give them bite-sized kind of understandings of all of this stuff and what we decided to do is rather than kind of pursue lead there's also the uh, living building challenge and you know we decided that we wanted to you know kind of do that and pick a couple of pedals and really kind of go more for like a a certified level rather than go for the gusto but introduce them as how engineers architects landscape architects civil engineers structural everybody how everybody is integral as a part of this living building challenge and understanding what each role is in that, you know, so now we've just kind of broken up them into subgroups and each of the subgroups are kind of going to work on a specific thing within the building, but then as a team to ensure that everything that they're doing is meeting and conforming to the living building challenge Mm -hmm. so that they can kind of understand how each person's work affects the sustainability factors that go into designing a building. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of great because what that's also doing is kind of helping somewhat reinforce the professionals in letting them know that, you know, Hey, you know, I mean, we may not always talk about this when we're doing a project, but it really is important that good, strong communication about what you're doing or what I'm doing is extremely important not just in the overall efficiency and design of the building, but to make a good a good building and using the best practices you possibly can. Yeah, and, and a lot of it comes down to occupancy and creating a healthy environment, more than just a beautiful yeah. environment yeah. or a functional environment, but a healthy one on top of that. And so a lot of these things in the 2030 Challenge and in the Living Building Challenge speak about that. You know, we're talking about off-gassing. We're talking about healthy materials that don't poison the air and poison the people who are who are using them every day. You know, you've got so many different fabrics and textiles and paints and plastics and all these different kinds of materials that are who, doing who knows what. And I think, you know, through some major rigorous testing, uh, all that stuff really plays into what what you can use and what you can't use and it's changing manufacturing and it's it's really making these healthy choices early on in product design instead of just giving you a limited set of choices to choose when you actually outfit the building. So I think that, you know, overall, holistically, it's it's been a fantastic endeavor. And what's interesting that we see in our practice a lot is that people don't want to go through the lead process, but they want a lead equivalent, right. whether it's silver or gold or platinum or whatever. I think, I think if People are going to go for platinum. They're going to want the stamp of approval on the on the building somewhere that says they really because should because it's, it's a, marketing. It's a lot of effort. It's marketing. Yeah, it is, and it yeah. and it and it it looks good for the for the entity. I mean, it's definitely kind of a like when I say it's marketing. It's it's something that they get to point at and say we did this, um, and it's important. It's something we stand for, and and it lets everybody know. I think how important it is to them. And so, one of the things that we have in in our area, which I think helps a lot in this region, is just there. the climate here allows for us to design in a way where we have kind of a simple formula. It's we, we start with great passive design. So anything that we can do with solar right. shading, thermal mass, natural ventilation, you can't do that everywhere, right? Um, night flushing, stuff like that. We then supplement passive design with high efficiency mechanical systems right so we we augment yeah. passive with with mechanical so and then we we try to be smart about that do we use evaporative cooling can we do ground source heat pumps can we do chilled beams what what's what's new technology uh, this doesn't work really well in the K12 market because yeah <laughs> because it's designed by maintenance right so what's the <laughs> easiest thing to do or what's what does the guy who's been in the district for 30 years know how to maintain uh, that happens a lot, so it, that that's a tough conversation to to have and and to lose quite often. Uh, and so, and then finally, I, on top of those two things, you add renewable systems. So this is kind of bolt on at some point, right? This is photovoltaics, wind turbines, fuel cells, anything that you can do 
to really augment the project, make it more standalone, right? Off the grid. That's what this stuff is for. Um, that's what leads to these sustainable outcomes. And you can see that like this stuff doesn't just all come in at the end. I think I just want to really reinforce that you have to start with great passive design. Use the climate to your advantage as much as you possibly can. And I think this is just integral to how we design buildings now. And so what's interesting to me is you'll see firms talk about sustainable design and how it's this thing that can come alongside design or come in after design and we can try to make it lead silver or lead gold or whatever. But really, you can't. You you really do have to start in the very beginning. And it's really an integral part to the process now. And, and what's yeah. interesting is all this stuff has been happening for decades but we didn't call it sustainability. We just called it architecture. So when you right. look at the old modernist masters and you look at these long overhangs in Palm Springs and you look at these louvered briselets and you look at all this stuff and it's like they've been doing it, uh, but they didn't call it that the same thing. But people look at modern architecture and they think it's a style, but really it was a response to the environment. I mean, it, it, it really is a response to, you know, that desert environment. Keep the building low. Take advantage of those afternoon breezes. Uh, get those breezeways going, get those long overhangs, shade the exterior of the building. I think it's it's pretty fun to go back and look at those uh, projects with yeah, those through those lenses. So Evan, one of, the, one of the things that struck me when a lot of this started to become, we started hearing about it more, maybe a decade, a little more than a decade ago, in the early 2000s. And what struck me about it, especially as I studied for my lead accreditation, that a lot of what you just said is what I was taught in school. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, wait a minute. Um, this is nothing new. No, we guys. had environmental we, controls, right? And it was, yeah, yeah it was I, all about passive we, design. And we studied all of these sorts of things in school. At least I did at Cal Poly. And, you know, to me, it wasn't anything new. I mean, certainly some of the, what do they call it? Uh, some of the testing, some of the ongoing, uh, check-ins on how the building perf- commissioning. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Um, that is probably the newer part, right? Cause we weren't talking about that maybe in school. Well, they didn't but, measure performance so much afterward. I mean, it was really just, yes. Uh, yeah. That was up it. to the client. And so yeah. that was, that was, that was probably the new part. And it's great that that's all happening in, in my more in my world, we use uh, Build It Green, mm-hmm. which is another uh, organization and has developed standards and testing and a rating system for more on the residential, single-family and multifamily residential side, at least here in California. And that's most of what I deal with. There's not too many houses I work on or multifamily buildings that are looking at LEED mm-hmm. or doing anything like that, but in, they're definitely using the Greenpoint rated system of build it green and many cities that I deal with in jur- different jurisdictions up here in the Bay area are, are have all adopted this sort of thing. And a lot of what they had laid out early on has now been incorporated into the code. And now we just have to do certain things yeah. and it's great. And it's put, it's really pushing at least here in California, um, very hard to get to that point of the net zero and the 2030 challenge. So a lot of what we do is in response to some of this and the residential multifamily stuff. When we start designing, I'm working on a lot of rehabs right now. So we're somewhat limited on, on exactly what we can do for passive solar or orientation. Cause we're, de- I'm dealing with buildings that already exist, but we're trying to do what we can. And then well, that's sustainable in the materials in that go into it. That, well, yeah, that's that is true. a sustainable <laughs> approach. You're not building something, you're not tearing something down and building something new. Right. I think that's, that's true. That's a yeah. really great point to make. Yeah. That, and then everything that's going back into these buildings, of course, is I, I, some of the buildings I'm working on now are 60, 50 to 60 years old. And so the materials that are going back into them are far more sustainable and recyclable and, you know, not off gassing and all of that. So we're building a better environment for the people that uh, are there now. And, and hopefully they, they like what we do. So, yeah. Yeah. I've been doing the same thing. You know, and it's, it's tough, and especially when the expectation of you know lead on top of that is um, is expected. So you know, but yeah, feeling your pain, but uh, appreciate <laughs> appreciating it too because I mean it is a challenge. But in a way, I kind of 
it's somewhat of a fun challenge to do because you have this box. It's already there. What do you do with it? Right. And, uh, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's, it's kind of fun in a yeah, six edition way. You're up for it, right? You're up for the challenge. So exactly. Yeah. That's a good thing. Hey, I thought of one thing kind of circling back to Draplin. Uh, I was thinking about Sam Mockby. You know, I think that thinking of yeah. Citizen Architect, that's how I kind of think of Aaron Draplin, Citizen Graphic Designer here. You know, it's funny. It's it's he he is very much like that the kind of like the design for the people type thing. It's right. bringing it to the masses, and he's still larger than life, kind of like passionate guy. Yeah, and um, and that was definitely Sam is very much that that kind of a guy. You, I remember I I have a set of his drawings that he was throwing away, and I was just like, can I have them? He was like, why do you want them? Because they're art. I mean, and they are. <laughs> they really are. They're the the way that they're drawn because it's all hand drawn. I mean, the way they're drawn is just amazing. But it's this house, that you know, unbuilt house. And he's got this skinny end of a funnel entry procession into the front of the house. And we were talking about, well, why is it so skinny? He's just like, you know, I, I like these the tight, uncomfortable spaces that just, you know, you, you got to kind of squeeze your fat ass through. And it's his words, not mine. Uh, and he goes, then right when you get in, this big, you know, aha, here it is kind of thing. And. And it was just, he kind of brought the John Portman wow effect down to kind of like more of if I can fit my fat ass into it and then, you know, just kind of like surprise, you know, it kind of like <laughs> opens up kind of thing. Just That's like, awesome. Well, there's a, <laughs> I was like, well, there's a, a twist on the, on the Portman wow. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it was just funny. And the, <laughs> and the way that he kind of presents everything is, it, it feels very, very Draplin-esque and, and just, you know, showing the, showing everybody that common stuff can contain a lot of design yeah more so more so than this you know this high you know this high falutin high was it a shishi fufu shishi fufu yeah um bringing it back uh, bring it back because i mean it was just like he used to always talk to us about you know he was one of these critical regionalist guys who believed in drawing from the architecture of the area and really expressing that and, you know, I remember seeing like the cook house when he first started working on the designs and stuff for that. And he was using the single wide trailer as kind of the impetus of this design. And mm-hmm. he, and he was, you know, and, and what else do you see there? You know, you see these like 5 V crimp tin roofs and you see these, everything's made out of block and it's raw concrete and all of these other things. And, you know, and he was just talking about like, and, and you see the passion of all of these different materials that are just identify the, the language of the building. And then when he assembled it all together, you know, you look at it and you're like, wow, that's an amazing building for basically just simple materials. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that I, I found really, that was a huge educational thing for me when we, I was able to take that into um, like my first job after graduation where we were doing community centers and things like that. But, you know, they didn't have a lot of money to make the community center. So a lot of times people were designing just these bare bones, simple, you know, simple boxes with a gym in it, you know, a couple of multipurpose rooms, bathrooms and meeting spaces, blah, blah, blah. And that was, you know, kind of it. It was, there was nothing there. And then we sat around in our firm, which was, you know, a very good design firm, still is. And it was like, what can we do on our limited budget to really take this to the next level? And it was... Let's work with the materials we got. We already know it's going to be concrete block. We already know that, it, you know, it's going to be this. It's going to be that. Let's see what we can do to assemble that. And it just pulled it all together and made it far more dynamic, far more exciting. And and that was what I really liked about that, you know, that education that I got from, from Sam. And that's kind of the same thing as what Draplin is bringing to his designs is what's out there what's you know what what do people see every day what do people touch every day food packages and all these simple little notebooks and all these other things and he says the real design is the everyday design it's yeah. it's less about the so yeah I, I i think that there's a lot of innovation that happens there when you've got a really short list of constraints that yeah you know it's it's you've got to use off the shelf materials or you know thinking back to like rudolf schindler right it, yeah, trying yes. to build modern architecture on a crazy budget, you know, wrapping the exterior of your building with roofing paper, right? As, as a, that's your cladding, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. really innovative at the time, like super cheap, doesn't last forever, right? But 
but that's what his clients could afford. And he was giving them this amazing design or I don't know if they think of it that way, but anyway, you know, just, just thinking back to like when you are so constrained like that, it really does start to lead to innovation. I think that's what all this stuff does with net zero too. There is a huge set of tight constraints and you've got to make sure that the building performs. And so you really do have to collaborate with all of your consultants and you, everybody's got to be on board and make sure that everything's working together and that the data proves it. Uh, it, it's just an interesting way to go through this process and, and actually design buildings and deliver them. So it's, it's, in, it's been a fun, fun process. So happy earth day, everybody. I think it's going to be a, you know, every year, obviously we have our challenges with the climate change initiatives and everything that's going on politically right now too. But Right. Uh, but as far as architecture is concerned with the 2030 challenge, I think there's that we can't slow down. We have to, we have to speed up. Nope. nope. We've got to push hard to, you know, just use it as best practices. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, well, uh, well, before we go, we'd like to thank our episode sponsors. First, we have RCAT. Check out all the features they offer over at ARCAT.com. And also thanks to HMC Architects for their support. To learn more or become part of their story, visit hmcarchitects.com. And make sure to visit our website at arcaspeakpodcast.com for links to our catalog of episodes and sign up for our newsletter, which includes links to everything we mention in the episode. Between episodes, join the conversation on the Arcaspeak Facebook page or on Twitter. Links to everything can be found at at arcaspeakpodcast.com. And stay subscribed, and thanks for listening. Bye. 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 I join the choir to sing. They're all competing for some other thing. I join the choir to sing. I join the choir to sing. They're all competing for some other thing. I join the choir to sing. Service my city with all that I've got